time. He's amused Cam Newton. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. See, he's just completely taking the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for the drive with Josh Grant. You are on a Monday drive. WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. Where there is just so much to get into, I'm actually getting anxious thinking about it. Like, is three hours enough to get through it all? Spoiler alert, it isn't. But we'll do our best anyway, and we must start with the Carolina Panthers. I'm seeing a lot of blame being cast at the wrong places today. It's the refs! No, it's not. Also, constantly blame the refs guy is the most obnoxious kind of sports fan. I was hanging around that guy on Saturday. I even told him, hey man, it's kind of lame to be focusing on the refs. Nobody else thinks it's awesome when you do so. How about lay off the refs a little bit? I hear that one a lot. It's Baker's fault. He didn't deliver what he promised on. Well, I guess he didn't F up the Browns, but are we sure he actually said it? It's the run defense. And so on and so forth. I'm going to take a much more pointed and simple approach to this. The responsibility for that loss falls solely on two people, Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo. Because whether it's peewee, high school, college, and certainly the pros, the number one job a coach has is making sure their team is ready to play. And on offense particularly, the Carolina Panthers weren't adequately prepared. That's on coaching. The center quarterback exchanges. Three or four times that was a problem. Even at the end of the game when it mattered the most. Matt said earlier today, just in the last hour, that if that ball on first down wasn't bobbled by Baker, Christian McCaffrey would have been one-on-one with the safety. That's something they saw on film all week. They felt that would be a great matchup. You get the first down, maybe you score a touchdown in that spot. And Eddie Pinero's lining up for a kick with three seconds left to go. Or Jacoby Brissett has to score a touchdown in order to win the game. But Baker's been here for 30 to 40 days. And many of those days, he was competing with Sam Darnold when it seemed like a foregone conclusion he was going to be the guy. Maybe he hasn't had enough snaps with Pat Elfline in order to have that quarterback center exchange where it's supposed to be. That is on coaching. They didn't try to run the ball early on. Christian McCaffrey had three rushes in the first half, four touches altogether. Here was Matt Rule pointing out all the problems they had on offense after the game. Really, in the first, you know, in the first half, um, whether it was a, a botched snap on the ground, whether it was a guy not lining up right, whether it was the explosive play to Christian that gets called back for a hold, a lot of plays where we just kind of beat ourselves. Then we had that, you know, had that run where we scored right before the half, and then obviously, uh, you know, Miles kind of took over there, had a run there of two sacks in a row. The thing he doesn't realize is all these things he's pointing out, yes, they are significant and they are problems, but they're all things that fall on your shoulders that you're responsible for. It is a coach's job to get the team ready to play. And you just look at the script on the first three plays. Okay, we're going to do a three-step drop and not trust the protection. 
We're going to throw sideways the next two plays and punt it away. The first four drives of the game, Carolina had net yardage of 13 yards before things called on late. The penalties. Technique. Those are all on coaching. And speaking of the offense catching on, we saw what the offense was capable of. So the fact that they started as slow as they did is even more damning. Because when they did catch on, when they were rolling, in the final 17 minutes of the game, they scored 17 points. Baker was 6 of 8 for 138 yards and two touchdowns on the last three drives of the game. Coaching was responsible. The penalties. You're playing a shorthanded team. That's their backup quarterback. They missed Jack Conklin in the game. They didn't have Greedy Williams. You're at home where now you're not going to have a win in over a calendar year at Bank of America Stadium. The last time the Panthers won a home game was September 18th of last year against the Saints. Their next home game is two weeks from yesterday. So it will be over a calendar year that the Carolina Panthers haven't won a home game. And to those who are blaming the run defense, Josh, why are you focusing so much on Ben McAdoo, Matt Rule, and the offense? The run defense was what allowed 217 yards. I think the offense was also responsible for that too. The start on offense wore down the defense. They kept Cleveland off the board pretty much. The entire first quarter, they weren't in position to score points. Cleveland ran 24 more plays on offense. Why is that? Cleveland had the ball for over 38 minutes. Why is that? Because the Panthers in the first half couldn't move it one iota. 13 yards on the first four possessions? You know Cleveland's bruising with their running backs, and they deserve some credit. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the entire deal. They do deserve credit. I'm giving it to them. But the fact that they got 24 more snaps and were able to continue to bludgeon the Panthers' front until they wore down, that's on the offense for not being on the field. Because after those four possessions I talked about that netted 13 yards, here's what the Browns did on their next five possessions. Eight-play drive, touchdown. Nine-play drive, field goal. 13-play drive, field goal. Three and out, 10-play drive, field goal. Four of the next five possessions had at least nine plays in it. Killing time and wearing out this defense because the offense couldn't stay on the field. And when they did, it's a one-play 75-yard touchdown where the defense had to be thinking, oh, goodness, we have to go back out there again? <sighs> Oy vey. On Twitter, at WSJS, the drive if you want in. My name's Josh Graham. So glad you're with us. The WD, Will Dalton, is a Panthers fan you only watched one half of this game. You were at PBR That's, Pro Bull uh, Pro Bull Riding yesterday in Winston. Yeah, I I only got to see the one half where nothing happened essentially. That's great. Um, that but, sounds great. I wish I was watching Pro Bull Riding rather than being in Bank of America Stadium for that first half. Yeah, and you know during it, I was like, I kept checking my phone. I'm like, oh okay, we're getting a little closer, getting a little closer. But then came up short, and then whatever happened with that uh, fake snap at the end i didn't physically uh, see it i just heard about it like on yeah, twitter a lot of officiating experts <laughs> out there clearly you can't fake you can't uh, pump fake and then throw it into the ground i didn't know that you knew that going into yesterday yeah i didn't know that either oh yeah that was i'm <laughs> a panther fan and i need this to help my team so yes 
the ref's wrong. We're just going to blame the guys in stripes. Now, that sounded great. It sounded great to hear that you, you got pro bull riding. You got to it was miss fun. that. You got to miss that boring half, and then the second half happened. Okay, shifting things. App State fans, I'm a man of my word. I didn't think the Mountaineers had a shot in College Station Saturday. And I said if the upset happened, we'd devote this week to the black and gold. So to deliver on that, we will spend time on App State every day of this week and we'll do so happily because it's rare that you see a program take a significant of a step as App State took with a single win. It's like when you have an elementary age niece or nephew that you only see maybe once or twice a year, maybe around the holidays. And each time you see them, they get so much bigger. App State has grown quite a bit since we last spoke on Friday because it now has a legitimate national identity. It started with Michigan 15 years ago, but when that happened, that was the greatest upset in college football. Since then, they've come close. Nearly won in Knoxville. That game went to overtime. Happy Valley, we saw how close that game was back in 2018. And there are some other ones that were penciled in there too. They got the top 10 scalp. They went on the road. They got Texas A&M. This was pure validation. App State, among the G5, has this reputation now, rightfully, of being a giant killer. The Sun Belt gained national respect, too, not just because of App. How about because of Marshall? Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. They went into South Bend and beat Notre Dame. Clay Helton, how fitting is this? Clay Helton was fired in September last year because... He didn't win enough at USC. He was on the hot seat. They fired him after just a few games. So he goes to Georgia Southern, beats Nebraska, who then fires their coach after just a few games. That's right. Scott Frost out at Nebraska. But the Sun Belt got three huge wins on Saturday, and it's the third straight year that you can't really argue against the fact that they're the best group of five league. And it's also great for them that during the expansion cycle, when the Big 12 was searching for teams after Texas and Oklahoma bailed, they poached the American. They didn't poach any teams from the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt was, they were solidified and they have great leadership and have made great decisions with expansion. They focused on rivalries, like bringing Marshall and Appalachian State back. They added Marshall and Marshall rewarded them with a really big win. And to put the cherry on top, College game day is now going to be visiting Boone on Saturday. That is a three-hour infomercial for App State. The country is going to see how special of a place geographically Boone is, that program and how great the people in it are, the types of fans that App State has. So what we saw over the weekend, it wasn't just a win. It was App State winning, the Sun Belt taking a step two, both of whom at the same time gained national respect and notoriety, and that's being celebrated on a national scale by College Game Day this weekend. Something that you love to see. It is a massive, significant step for Appalachian State and Mountaineer Athletics. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. We've got Carolina Panthers locker room sound to share with you in about 15 minutes. But how about a quick tease from the other locker room? Miles Garrett had a day yesterday. 
whipped up on Iki Aquanu for a couple of sacks. He was disruptive. That was to be expected. But he kind of hinted after the game that they heard Baker Mayfield's comments or alleged comments, and it might have been something that they talked about leading up to the game. I mean, the tone was set with the attitude of some of the guys on the other side. So, you know, we were just ready to go out there and finally put things a bit. Had us a bit off the leash. Had us off the leash. They were that. He had a terrific game. Jadavion Clowney batted down a couple of balls. A lot of jawing from Jadavion. He hasn't played a lot of games at Bank of America Stadium. He's a South Carolina guy, remember? And... Am I wrong that he's only played for AFC teams? Played for the Titans, played for the Texans. I think that's the right. Cleveland Browns. So there's a chance. I don't know this for sure, but that might have been the first time he played at the NFL stadium that was closest to where he grew up. Good for Jadavion and good for Miles Garrett. Not so good for the Carolina Panthers. But we'll get to the locker room sound in about 10 to 15 minutes or so because right now, After a big ACC football weekend, it is time for Critically Acclaimed, where we rank the top 10 teams in the league, starting with... Number 10. The Louisville Cardinals. They didn't go over, but they didn't lose. Thanks, Scott Satterfield. I was in a suite at the Winston-Salem Dash game Friday night, and... I asked, hey, do you mind if I turn this channel to Louisville and UCF? And I looked like a crazy person up there. Why is this guy in a suite not watching the baseball, but instead mad at missed field goals in the first half of this Louisville-UCF game? It's really strange. The offense, they're going to be fine. The defense pitched a second second half shutout. (sighs) It's Monday. And they did so in a difficult place in the bounce house at UCF. Louisville's number 10. Number nine. The Pitt Panthers. Choo-choo! Lost in overtime to Tennessee. They probably win this game if Slovis doesn't get hurt. It looks like Slovis is going to be out for a while. But Pat Narduzzi needed to do a better job having the backup ready to go. It's weird nowadays. Everybody has a quarterback with some mobility now. When you see a guy out there who doesn't have it, it looks strange. Like if Drew Bledsoe was playing football in 2022, he would stand out like a sore thumb, just like this pick quarterback did. If you can't move at all, well, goodness, what good are you? It's almost like a center in basketball that can't shoot nowadays. That's it. It's a great analogy there. Uh, They lost the game. They lost their quarterback, so they fall a few spots. There are eight. ACC teams that haven't lost to this point, so Pitt in at number nine just seems to make sense. Number eight. The Duke Blue Devils. 2-0. And they probably should have won this game by more. They were dominant in the first half. I didn't realize till afterwards that your guy, Eric Collins. Oh, yeah. Voice of the Hornets on TV. Known for nearly having a heart attack after every lob between LaMelo and Miles Bridges. He was on the call for the Duke Northwestern game, and we had an exciting play at the end with Duke up eight and Northwestern driving in on the goal line. This is how it sounded. Point conversion. 
third and one. They run it. Oh! He dropped the ball. He dropped the ball. Did he cross the end line first? No. It is Duke football. Duke football. How do you do? Hum diddly dee. The Blue Devils are 2-0. Mike Elko going to be on a uh, be a guest on the show later on in the week. The Aggies, NCANT up next for Duke. Number seven, Syracuse. Now they played UConn, but they took care of UConn. Jim Mora's group was feisty in Week Zero. I haven't forgotten about that against Utah State, but Syracuse took care of that, just like they took care of Louisville, thirty-one to seven in Week One. Hey man, I'm not going to fault. A 1-0 ACC team, they play defense, they run the ball, and Garrett Trader's not going to lose the game for Syracuse. Dino's group. Looking pretty good early on. Number six. Mario Cristobal's group, not so much. Miami moves up a spot to number six. This is an example of box score guy coming out. Well, Josh, they won 30-7. to If you watch that first half, Southern Miss led for much of it. Probably should have led by more. Miami should have been trailing this game at halftime. Wasn't really good. I saw that crystal ball. I was watching. That was my favorite college game I handed out. Golden Eagles. Got the cover. That's what's up, Mike Houston. Put some money on it. Mm-hmm. Best bets, 3-3 three and three on the weekend. Trying to have a winning record tonight. Again, Louisville didn't go over. and That's not so great. But Miami. I'm not sold on them at all. But that could change with Texas A&M this week. Number five. Or would it? Considering what App State did. Florida State is at number five. They fall a spot from four to five. They didn't play this past weekend. They're 2-0 with a win over LSU. That's a monster win. So they have to be in the top five as far as I see it. And guess who they got this week? Those Louisville Cardinals that we've been talking a lot about. This game's going to be in Tallahassee, I believe. Florida State, slightly in front of the Hurricanes. I'm sure nobody's going to get mad about that. Number four. The North Carolina Tar Heels. They're the only 3-0 ACC team. Go ahead and look. Find me the other 3-0 ACC team. Oh, but they played a week zero, Josh. Okay. Find me the ACC team that's won two road games already at this point. Go ahead. I'll wait. ACC team that's won multiple road games. Tell me about it. North Carolina should be proud of that. Has it looked great all the time? Of course not. But that App State win looks a lot better after what the Mountaineers did in College Station, justifying North Carolina being one of the top four teams. Number three. NC State, as expected. They took out their frustration on Charleston Southern. Dropped 55 in that game. Now they've got Texas Tech coming off of an upset win against Houston. Little surprise that in Lubbock, you're in the Big 12 and you're playing Houston, who's barely ranked. They're 25th. And you're storming the field after winning that game? Okay. They don't have their backup quarterback. They're going into Raleigh this weekend. State's going to be wearing all black uniforms. I'm getting overheated just thinking about that. NC State gets bumped up in the rankings in the AP poll after getting back to business a bit. 
They're at number 16. And in this ranking, critically acclaimed, they're at number three. Number two. Wake Forest. They rolled at Vandy. It's an SEC win. I know it's Vandy, but it counts. Sam Hartman. How's this for a stat line, WD? You've been on the shelf for a month, and we're trying to figure out what your health is. Oh, by the way, it's pouring rain at an SEC stadium on the road. Uh, 300 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Not bad. Take it all day. Mm -hmm. They are the defending Atlantic champs. This is the thing. Like, I heard Adam saying that Wake Forest is the fourth best team in the state. My head almost exploded when he said that. So much disrespect. Oh, they haven't played anybody yet. Okay. You, you, you're you going to tell me that Clemson, then the why not rank NC State ahead of Clemson? Why not do that? Why not rank North Carolina ahead of Clemson? Oh, uh, Clemson's played Furman and Georgia Tech. That's what we're doing. Of course you're basing it off last year. And Wake's... Got that coaching staff back. They upgraded on the def at defensive coordinator. Sam Hartman. They're the defending Atlantic champs. Put some respect on their name. And that's what we're doing. Number one. Appalachian State. <laughs> Love it. Some folks need to cool down with the... They should join the ACC stuff. Oh, boy. Logistically, that would never happen. You got a four-team block that would say no to that in the state of North Carolina. No, we don't want. We, we enjoy recruiting against you and saying, hey, would you rather play in the ACC than playing in the Sun Belt? Those schools do not want to relinquish that. Also, it's a revenue arms race. In a perfect world, App State and ECU would be in the same conference with the North Carolina ACC schools, but come on. like You're not adding revenue when you're in the ACC. And you want to split the pie of 15th way with a team that's not adding revenue? That just makes things worse than they already are trying to chase the SEC and the Big Ten. I, I forgot I haven't said who's number one. Clemson. Ho-hum. 35-12 win against Furman. Only 35 against Furman, though. DJ had an interception in the game, but Klubnik, I think, was only in for one drive. One for four passing. It still feels like the inevitable that you have to make a quarterback change there. But Clemson does come in at number one. That's critically acclaimed for this week. You're on the drive with Josh Before we get into the grades this week, Sam Hartman balled out in his debut for Wake Forest this season. Good to have him back. Almost like he didn't leave. It's almost like riding a bike, throwing it deep to A.T. Perry and producing a 300-yard, four-touchdown game with no turnovers. Wake wins on the road at Vanderbilt. They're off to a 2-0 start as they get set for Liberty this week. Even in the strong rain and not having played for a long time, Sam looked really good, and this was Dave Clawson singing Sam's praises. I thought he played really well. I mean, he just had – he's played so much football, and when he goes out there, he's just got a command of things, and 
I think everybody else's play kind of elevates with him and, you know, Torian and Donovan and those guys know he's going to get them the ball, but he, he did a great, he did a great job. He's, he's, he's one of the premier quarterbacks in the country. And, uh, he, you know, people will look at the numbers and, you know, whatever, 18 to 27, 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks in the pouring rain. Like you factor that in there and that's makes the performance even more impressive. It really does. And it was good to hear from Sam himself after the scary medical episode, the blood clots that we knew about and cleared last week playing against Vandy. This was Sam on how happy he was to be back out there. It's just great to be back with the guys, you know, feeling sore, you know, being a part of, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a fun place to, to play for. And, you know, we had a great crowd, uh, even on the road. Um, obviously not too hard to say you got to go to Nashville for a football game, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it's it very cool. And, um, you know, just honored, you know, you, when you have to step away from it for reasons, you know, not in your control, you've, uh, you learn to value it more. And, you know, again, it's just greatly appreciate the, the opportunities that I get. A couple more nuggets. Sam Hartman was named the ACC quarterback of the week earlier today. The Deeks, as I mentioned, playing Liberty. I don't think I've seen a lot of kickoff times that Wake Forest has had. Seen the noon kickoff, seen the 11 a.m. start a little bit with TV, four o'clock with the ACC network windows, eight, seven, 15, seven 30. Okay. Seen a lot of that. I don't think I've ever seen the five o'clock Eastern time kick, but that's when Wake Forest is playing Liberty. Five o'clock. It's five o'clock somewhere. And five o'clock on Saturday, the Deeks will be playing Liberty next weekend. ABC Nooner Clemson Wake Forest. Noon game. Some are talking about game day potentially going there. I don't think they're going to go to App State and then go to another smaller school in the state of North Carolina an hour and 15 minutes down the road that also wears black and gold. I don't think they're going to do that. Especially when NC State, Clemson, is lurking the week after that in Tigerland. That would be the one. This is me speculating. They might be circling there. Getting to the NFL. I'm going to eliminate the Panthers from this. We've talked enough about the Panthers, and we'll get back to the Panthers in about 10 minutes. These Graham's grades are for non-Carolina Panther NFL teams that we break down now. Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. the test if one of y'all says some silly ass name who dropped the ball i don't know josh graham has the answers i think you're very condescending and a know-it-all time for graham's grades a through f grading nfl teams from over the weekend we start with the very good and that is a the minnesota vikings they might have been the only impressive team in the NFC yesterday. Who else? 
The Rams, drilled by the Bills at home. The New Orleans Saints probably should have lost to the Atlanta Falcons. Tampa Bay, maybe, but they scored one touchdown the entire game. Missed a kick, labored through some stuff. It was sloppy. Who else? Giants won. (laughs) Yeah. Giants won. If that's the answer to the question, God help the NFC. The Philadelphia Eagles allowed 35 to the Detroit Lions. San Francisco lost to the Bears. The entire NFC West looked terrific. You know who's in first place in the NFC West? The Seattle Seahawks. (laughs) With a great record of 0-0, everybody's looking up at the Seahawks right now. The Vikings, they were the most impressive team. They played Green Bay. They were dominant. Yes, they were at home, but they looked the part against the team that finished with the best record in the conference a year ago. B. The Pittsburgh Steelers. They won the game. Now, they also lost the game four or five times, but it's going to be remembered. It's going to go down in the annals of history. Steelers 23, Bengals 20. What was the craziest part about this game? The fact that Joe Burrow... You get Burrow. one play. You get one play. What was the craziest part about this game? I don't have a play, but just the fact that Joe Burrow threw that many interceptions and still almost came back and win. Is it the block PAT from a guy who also had a pick six in the game? Mika Fitzpatrick? Is Might it be. clanging up the, off the upright Boswell? Was it McPherson looking like your controller got stuck? When attempting a field goal and hooking it crazy to the left? I don't know. But the Steelers won. Mike Tomlin's dancing in the locker room afterwards. Give them credit. Crazy game. Not many people thought they could win it. Except me. No big deal. Pittsburgh Steelers a B. C. It's got to be the Colts and Texans, yes? I know I'm only supposed to put one team here, but... Isn't a C, the definition of a C performance, a tie? You didn't win. You also didn't lose. Who feels worse about that tie? The Colts are supposed to win that game. They were a touchdown favorite, but the Texans were better the entire game until Jeff Driscoll's having to come in for Davis Mills and they're dealing with some injuries. I don't know who feels worse about a tie, the Colts or the Texans, but they're both C's. D. Really, D and F are interchangeable here, but the Dallas Cowboys are a D. Chris Collins' worst voice, that's a D too? Or is that an F? Collins' worst voice during the (laughs) Cowboys-Bucks game last night. Doing some laryngitis. Um, They scored on the opening drive. That's good. What's the bad news? Didn't score for the rest of the game. Didn't get into the end zone the entire way. At least it was against Tampa, though, and not Washington. Dallas, also going to be without Dak Prescott for at least a month and a half. Might be close to two months with a broken thumb on his throwing hand. I'd say that amounts to a D. F. The Tennessee Titans. They were up 13-0 in this game. They blew that lead. And then they had a chance after the Giants hit a two-point conversion 
to do exactly what happened with the Cleveland Panthers game. Go down the field, still figure it out after you lost the lead. And you got your kicker, who's a really good kicker. I think Randy Bullock has like four or seven game-winning field goals. I forget what it was. Manageable length, and he missed it. It was the same exact script to Panthers-Giants, except on a day that all the kickers missed, the Panthers faced a rookie kicker that bombed one from 58 yards away. The Tennessee Titans, that is an F. You are at home. It's the Giants. You're up 13. You missed a kick. That is tough. I'd rather get beat by multiple touchdowns than get beat that way, if I'm being honest. And that's been Graham's grades for this week. You with me on these grades? Or is there a team I'm forgetting about that you would have thrown in there? I probably would have had the Cowboys at an F. That's worse than the Titans? I'm to asking you, would you rat well, yes. But I'm asking you as a fan, what's worse? Getting beaten nineteen to three or having a two point conversion put the other team in front when you've been leading the entire game and then missing a kick? Probably the latter. That's worse? Yeah. And that's yeah. my thinking on it. Maybe Dak puts it over the top. Like I said, DNF, interchangeable in that regard. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. Really, I don't regret the take. On Friday, I said I didn't think App State had a shot at A&M. I was in Boone for the North Carolina App State game, my first time up the mountain, and I thought that they gave everything they had to beat the Tar Heels, and it's hard to do that back-to-back weeks. But Sean Clark and those boys, they figured out a way to do it, and they went into College Station They got their top 10 scalp first time they got since the Michigan game 15 years ago. And I said on Friday that if App State won, that I would devote an entire week to Appalachian State football. And I have no problem delivering on that. And to help us deliver on that, we welcome in a proud Appalachian State alum, Darren Gant, who doubles as a Hall of Fame voter from Panthers.com. Joining us now on WSJS, I looked at the AP poll today. Texas A&M is in the top 25. Appalachian State isn't. Based on your expertise, your you know great knowledge about all things football, where should your Mountaineers be ranked at today's poll, you think? Well, I would say second, right? Because if the transitive property means anything, the University of North Carolina has to be the number one team in the land, right? Yep. That's right. I mean, they're the, only, they're the only people who can do anything with Appalachian State and score 63 points on a, on a team like that. Boy, that really says something for Matt Brown and his crowd. So congratulations to the Tar Heels. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll run it back in the national championship game later this year. Darren, you're being unrealistic. Texas A&M was sixth. So App should probably be, if we're being realistic, five. North Carolina probably should be four. 
which means Georgia State probably floats around 11, and FAMU, we put them probably like 24th, given how they hung with North Carolina in the first three quarters. I think that seems yeah, fair. Yeah, Mar- Marshall's top three, too, right? <laughs> I mean, it, Marshall's also got to be in the top. Here's the thing. Here's the real hierarchy in college football right now. You've got the Sun Belt up here at the top. Fun Belt. You've got you've got the Power Five occupying spots two through six, and then you have what we now refer to as the Group of Four, because the Sun Belt's clearly on a different plane than all the rest of these alleged football playing conferences. Okay, so we got College Game Day going to the Mountain this weekend. We'll get to the Panthers in a second because they played yesterday. Obviously, <laughs> even though I know App State's overshadowed everything. Uh, they're going to be in Boone. You got Corso and McAfee who's now on the show. Kirk Herbstreet, Desmond Howard is going to be roaming around the mountain. What do you most want to see featured on college game day in Boone Saturday? Boy, that's a tough call. I mean, there's so much that, that my hope is as a tuition payer to that institution now that I don't see anyone related to me doing anything illegal or unwise. Let's begin there. That's probably a good place to start, although I may or may not have already been consulting with my daughter on the best uh, sign to hold up in the background during this. So that was my thing. When I got a text uh, from someone related to me that said, rushing King Street RN, BRB, I was like, oh, God, and then you didn't hear anything for 10 hours. So I was trusting that everything was okay, but I do believe that uh, everybody's in good hands. I think it's going to be outstanding. I think it's great. And I I think one of the neat things, I do pro football for a living in exchange for money. I watch college football for leisure, and it's it's the environment. It's the emotion. And and having been up there, and you know, being up there around 40,000 people for the UNC game was a special deal, and this is going to be the biggest game Troy State's ever played in, trust me. Darren Gant with us here. He's on Twitter at, you guessed it, Darren Gant. Let's talk officiating, why don't we? Because on the final, so the final drive, I'll be honest, being in the building as you were, I thought that Brian Burns got the quarterback on the head. When you watch the replay in slow motion, frame by frame, it seemed like that that was a missed call. But if you watch in real time, as, you know, referees have to make decisions in, it's, I, I can understand human error in that spot. The Jacoby Brissett fake spike and then throw it into the ground. I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I wasn't that familiar with the fake spike spiking the football policies that the NFL had in that specific part of the rule book when it happened, but it seems a lot of people are charged up about it too. Uh, I'm not a big ref shaming guy. I was hanging out with some folks on Saturday, and there's always that hardcore fan that thinks that the refs are out to get their team. So I don't like blaming the refs at all, and I'm not going to say that the refs cost the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Where do you stand on the refs in this instance, and I guess ref bashing in general? Well, uh, one thing I'll say right off the top is it's an incredibly difficult job. When you're talking about somebody with the speed of Brian Burns, to be able to make a judgment call in the flash of a second it takes him to crank Cedric wheels back into his quarterback's lap. Um, and the problem is, if it was just a distinction of science, that's easy. But when you start asking guys to make a judgment on whether something was forcible or not, again, was Brian just, you know, lifting the, the left tackle back into Jacoby Brissett's lap? 
or did he whack him in the head? I mean, it's impossible to tell at that rate of speed. And, and again, I don't want that job. It's too hard. The one I've got is hard enough. Uh, I, I think that one can be a gray area. Did he hit him? He did. I, I think there are a lot of people who would like a ruling on that fake spike because either that thing was poorly called or poorly communicated, but it can't be both. I mean, or it can't be well called and well communicated because there was a lot of confusion both on the Panther sidelines and in the room where that full report was happening as to what exactly unfolded. Darren Gant is with us here. How much of a responsibility, given, I think, rule number one of being a coach, responsibility number one as a coach, whether you're talking peewee, college, high school, certainly the pros, is making make sure, sure you bring snacks, right? Yes, that actually is number yeah. one. So rule number two would be making sure your team is ready to play. Given the way the offense looked from the jump, uh, bad snaps and not being able to get Christian McCaffrey to football and all, how much of a responsibility does that fall on coaching? I mean, sure. I mean, ultimately everything falls on those guys. But here's the thing. I mean, I know uh, the one thing that's happened now, because of the way things have unfolded in the last couple of years, Matt Rule's an easy target. So anything that happens positively or negatively in a game is because Matt Rule decided, you know, the latest thing was because he had a quarterback competition during training camp. That's the reason the offense gained 21 yards on its first 20 plays. I have a hard time. The bad snaps, Darren, the bad snaps. Baker Mayfield doesn't know how to take a snap. Clearly all these things are because, no, I mean, listen, they did – they had a quarterback competition for reasons that transcend any one particular game. They wanted to see Baker Mayfield win the job. They wanted to see him take ownership of this thing. And I think that's probably more important than a set of seven-on-seven reps in Spartanburg in shells that Sam Darnold may have been taking instead. But, again, when you've – lost eight in a row and your record's 10 and 24, you're going to get blamed for stuff like that. That comes with the territory. So I get it. I understand. I just, I want people to be angry about actual things rather than made up things here. Here's one thing I'll tell you. The New York giants and the Carolina Panthers are effectively did the same thing on Sunday. They came back from two touchdowns down they took a lead in the fourth quarter. The difference was the Titans kicker missed his field goal, and the Browns kicker hit a bomb from 60 yards away. And if those two things reversed, all of a sudden, Matt Rule's got this thing turned around. Brian Dayball may or may not have, you know, that's let's make sure we're yelling about the right stuff. And I think as long as we're honest with ourselves and fair, um, we can have these discussions. But some of these some of this stuff does go a little bit overboard sometimes. Other than the Vikings, did anybody in the NFC impress you this week? Boy, it's hard because everybody lost. All the teams we thought were good uh, are not. Everybody the in the NFC West is looking up at the 0-0 zero yeah. zero Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, they, they've they won by not playing. So, it's um, yeah, it is a little bit of a mess. It's also the reason I t- – try to not overreact to any particular event. I think one of the things you've heard me say this before, Josh, we've had this conversation. No one wants to accept that sports hinge on a series of random events. So again, Randy Bullock misses a field goal and the Giants are smart. 
you know, Cade York hits a field goal and the Panthers get, you know, some of these things are unrelated. I, I do have a, you know, I do have a kind of belief that probably the Packers are going to be pretty good. I think the Rams are going to be okay as this thing goes on. Obviously, Dallas is in a world of hurt now with Dak Hurt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm willing to let a couple of these things settle for, oh, you know, at least two weeks before I declare. I had an opportunity, if I wanted to, to go see Willie Nelson this weekend, and I passed up on it. How much am I going to regret it? Maybe a lot. I, I had a chance. To, I've seen Willie a couple times. I had meant to see Willie an extra time, but uh, Willie had a little uh, illness and wasn't able to perform. And when he came back for his makeup show, he brought the Abet Brothers and Old Crow Medicine Show with oh. him, so it was even better. Um, so, yeah, always go see Willie. I mean, you know me, always go see the show any, anyway. But when you've got American icons like that, if you're into Bruce Springsteen, Go see Bruce Springsteen. If you got a chance to see Willie, go see Willie. These people ain't going to be with us forever. Bruce Springsteen. I told you about this, I think, not too long ago, but March of 23, there might not be a better place to be for entertainment in the state of North Carolina than Greensboro, and specifically the Greensboro Coliseum, where you have this in consecutive weeks, Darren. First week of March, ACC Women's Basketball Tournament. Second week of March, ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. Third week of March, NCAA Tournament Regionals. Fourth week of March, Bruce Springsteen performing at the Coliseum. Not bad. Yeah, that ain't bad. Now, if you were an enterprising young person, what you would do is when you're in there for the tournaments, Mm -hmm. you should scope out a spot and stow away. It's always been one of my dreams or one of the things I've wondered about when I wander around empty stadiums is how long could I hide in here without somebody finding me? So, well, you, your just, office is Bank of America Stadium. If you wanted to go, <laughs> let's say you weren't in, in New York next Sunday and you wanted to just camp out and see Elton. Like, you, you have an office there, don't you? You could do that. I, I, I do. There's also 24-hour security that kind of keeps an eye on the place. So I don't know how long. Now, I will say I have looked for naps spaces inside that stadium like if i needed to go steal 15 minutes where could i go and i've got a couple places in the back of my mind but yeah i mean i've always thought that was fascinating there's a lot of space in these places not that i would encourage illegal activity i darren gant would never do that but i i am always a little intrigued by if, i wonder if i could live in here if i could you know if i say one thing about darren gant he is consistent start of the interview not condoning illegal activity on college game day and not condoning illegal activity as well, potentially hiding in places, maybe like Bank of America Stadium or the Greensboro Coliseum to try and watch events for free. There's no gambling at Bushwood because that's illegal. Darren, you're the best, man. Good to see you yesterday. I'll see you sometime soon. Yeah, man. See you soon.